Oh, what a review we got coming up here. A massive win for our Port Adelaide Footy Club in the uh, qualifying final on Friday night against the Geelong Cats. A massive win by 43 points. One that I believe is one of the better Port wins uh, since we won the Premiership in 2004. And I'll get into that in the review, but so much to talk about. A massive night down at Adelaide Oval. A wonderful atmosphere considering uh, the cap of 20,000. Uh, a wonderful night weather-wise. Just everything perfectly fell into line. But most importantly, our boys put on a show. They put on a show. The performance we all know they've had in them for so long uh, against a top elite side in Geelong, a team that up until after the final siren the week before were looking like they were going to be the minor premiers. And we absolutely rolled them in the qualifying final. We set up another home prelim. Uh, the first time we've looked at, um, well, the first time ever we've had two home prelims in a row um, in the AFL, which is actually some, some feat when you think about it. After all those years um, back in the early 2000s and with the domination we had there, but we never got to the point of winning two two qualifying finals in a row like we did then. So a really incredible um, performance by our boys the other night and a lot to talk about, a lot to be proud of and a lot to look forward to. So we might as well get into it and you know what time it is. dominating port performances in a many a year uh it was an incredible night 43 point winners over the geelong cats in what can be considered probably our first true four quarter performance of the year uh considering uh, the opponent uh and how we controlled and won every quarter of footy that we played as well as uh, just the fact that we we performed in every quarter even the you know the third quarter is probably the cagiest of all the quarters that were played uh, as far as go, um, scoring goes it was uh, three points for the cats uh, versus our one goal three, I believe, in that quarter. So we still we still won the quarter. <laughs> still extended our lead slightly in that uh, third quarter and then went on to win by 43 points um, and won the fourth quarter as well. Every quarter was won. Uh, and, and considering the opponent, the level of opponent, um, the, the situation it was, when you can... We've had bigger wins over the years, right? Like um, since I, I said uh, in the lead into this that it's our biggest win for me uh, since 2004, I've been trying to think of better wins um, since then. Uh, and I, well, I guess the caveat is most dominating wins over a opponent at this level uh, since 2004. I think I just can't think of one. And I'd love anyone that listens to this, if you can think of one just to throw on the list to consider, uh, tweet at us or the Instagram message or, or Facebook comment, or whatever, whatever your uh, mode of um, you know email us through the website if you want. I don't care. I'll, I'll um, happily look at them and 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 consider them because I might be just missing something. There's obviously been a lot of footy played since uh, that wonderful day in two thousand and four. But you know I've considered ones like um, you know the 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 final win over in um, Frio in twenty fourteen was a wonderful great win. That was up there. That's up there. But again, like dominating wins, that one was uh, a great comeback win and a great dominating second half. Um, but it wasn't a full quarter, you know. The, the you know <laughs> Frio could have put us away in that first half if they wanted to at times. Um, so it wasn't the dominating win uh, where you're winning every quarter, that kind of stuff. Um, you know, you think back to the the great um, qualifying final win we had in uh, 2007, 
uh, you know, that was a wonderful game and, and, a, and like a tight game, but it you know, it wasn't, it was tight. We didn't completely demolish West Coast, obviously, in that um, that game. And then, um, you know, last year, uh, last year, and that's probably, this is a great comparison because we played Geelong in qualifying finals two years in a row. And man, maybe you could look at the, t- I mean, I guess I did say since the 2004 grand final, you know, the, the qualifying final win we had against uh, Geelong back in 2004 was pretty, pretty good domination as well. But, the Geelong side then compared to the one that is now, and maybe maybe they are getting on a bit and there's been a few people, obviously the media changes their narrative after after a loss like that and they're saying maybe they're uh, heading towards a tipping point now. But, you know, I just look at all these results that have happened over the years, all these big wins we've had, and I just can't think of one since that 2004 grand final that was as dominating as this one over a quality opponent. When you look through that lineup, that uh, I know that they were missing uh, Tom Stewart and that was a big loss to them, and we certainly took advantage of it as best we could. Um, but you know, you can only play who's in front of you at this point. And they still were a team that, without Tom Stewart, um, were had a big lead on Melbourne last week uh, and could have uh, won the minor premiership uh, if not for that um, miracle end to that game by Melbourne. So they're a team that, regardless of missing that player, and we've certainly had our injuries this year, and we've used, we've said that this is a reason that we're lo- we've struggled at times but we still were bank- banking the wins and ended up where we are and got the home qualifying final and our home prelim which is a great season on our end but um you know the, the Geelong side out there was still an incredible side and we completely just demolished them in every facet of the game maybe apart from hit outs and free kicks um but uh it's just an absolute um dominating win and there were so many facets to it it was the it was the intercept marking from Aaliyah and even and Tom Jonas had an incredible game down back. Ryan Burton continu- continuing to show just wh- how much of a trade win that was before we even take into account the uh, draft pick considerations out of that that ended up um, with Butters. And, and just all these, uh, so many factors out of this game. So that's, defense- that's defensively alone. And then we go into midfield and we see the work that Travis Boak did. Um, and I, I'm just looking at the stats on... On AFL.com.au, and his AFL fantasy points was 119. So I'm sure there's some there's some there's some troglodytes out there that once they pick up on that, uh, maybe they won't. But um, they'll have some fun with that. But that's fine. We won, so who cares? Um, you know, but uh, disposals. You know, Wines with 33, Boak with 32, Amon with 25, Dersmer with 24. You know, Mitch Duncan was actually tied with Ollie Wines with the most disposals. But then it, it's four port players before we get down to Dangerfield 23. That's just not, you know, 23 disposals for many players is is a decent effort. Uh, for Patrick Dangerfield in a final, as as the second best possession getter, you'd expect him having, for their team, you'd expect him to have a lot more than 23 if he was going to have an impact. Isaac Smith with 23, probably not too bad. Menegola with 22, Parfit with 21. Shit, I haven't even got, who's that bloke, that fucking dickhead that ducks a lot? Joel Seward? Oh, we've got to go way down the list to find him with 17 disposals. We completely, we just... We, you know, we weren't winning the hitouts and the clearances, even the center clearances, uh, we got beaten in as well. But then it comes to the st- what happened after the immediate, you know, the clearances was just our intense pressure um, to make those. And so, some, a lot of those clearances were under pressure. Um, kicks were sprayed, and then our just a defensive, a defensive ability to when we they, the clearances were had, uh, we just we just snuffed snuffed out their lines into into their off, uh, offensive fifty. And just never gave them a chance. You know, they only took. Um, I'm just going to find the stats again. I'm just bouncing between pages here. Um, but marks inside 50. We'll get down to it in a second. Uh, marks inside 50. We won 12 to eight. So considering 
they win the clearances um well, a decent margin in the centre clearances was 15-3, to 3, so it was a- absolute domination. But stoppage clearances, we win 26-22, to 22, so we were, we were winning around the ground, around the contest. We were, we were beating them there. And that's just pressure. And then even the centre clearances, it was probably a, it was a period, of, just from my memory of the game, and I've watched most of the replay again today, um, there was a period in the third quarter where they were really trying to make a run, but we just the, the, the defensive effort was just incredible. Alir was, you know, Alir started the match and set the tone, but then just later in the match, it was guys like it was Alir, but then it was Jonas and Burton and Coe down there. And Burn Jones, there's a couple of times where, you know, a quick kick forward from a, a Geelong midfielder would just um, would be bundling along the ground and it would either be Burn Jones or Burton. Just were running along and reading the ball so well and were picking it up like ground ball gets um, or taking marks or just, you know, cutting the lines. And, and if it came to a Geelong forward... Or at or half forward up around there, the fifty arc. It was it was just a pressure straight on. It was it wasn't just one player. It was two or three. And sometimes when we've done that this year, when we've tried to bring that pressure, we just haven't been set up very well. And we've and if they've gotten out of that pressure, it's led to a very easy goal or a very easy mark. But somehow it all came together that even when we had that pressure on, the setup behind the ball was there still. That even if they got out of that pressure, it was just more, it was another kick to another contest that wasn't a a dead set chance for July and it was just amazing to watch and I don't I don't know how to reconcile with the fact that so many times this year we've been frustrated with the um the the whether it's mis- miscommunication of game plan or just misexecution or what it is but we just haven't quite set up got our setup right but just it all came together so well in this game um and I've just gone on about the defense for a while there um after trying to run through the but it was just it was just such an incredible effort but then and midfield, obviously, I've talked about the stats, but you know, Wines and Boak just led the charge, and we, we were sitting up in the western stand, so up um, on the member side, which is the opposite side to where we usually are, and we're up in the nosebleeds more, which I, I don't enjoy as much because I like being close to the action where we are in our usual seats. But what the the nosebleeds do give you is a very good overall picture of the game, uh, more of a broadcast view, I guess, so to speak. And what I loved was um, Boak on the wing, just a couple of times, just the way he was busting through and and really. He was using his body and using his menace and his kind of mystique as Travis spoke, and he was just bouncing through and charging through like a midfielder, a 27, 28-year-old at the pro, like kind of like Wines is right now. But it was Boke. He was just busting the lines, and he didn't look like a he didn't look like the 33-year-old veteran that is uh that is at the twilight of his career because I don't think he is right now because he couldn't be the way he was playing. He was just incredible. Um. Silky smooth movement, and Gray was Robbie Gray was the same. There was a couple of handball chains um, between Boke and Gray that just and and Co that were just incredible and real quick fleet of hand and fleet of foot as well, and just and, and positioning every single time just incredible. There was occasional moments where a handball didn't come off. I remember uh, or a kick. I remember sometimes uh, I think Motlop on the boundary at one point didn't quite come off, and there was a little bit of tentativeness in in brief moments, but it was just brief moments rather than. Um, an endemic problem within the game. And they were just backing themselves. And you could see the benefit of the all these guys that were back in the side now, the likes of Amon, uh, sorry, Damon Dersma, Butters, uh, Fantasia, obviously, until that, unfortunately, we'll get to the injury and stuff like that. But even the guys like um, Darcy Byrne-Jones, who, um, after winning the Club Champion Award last year, has been, he's had some detractors this year and some people have asked for him to be dropped. I've seen those comments on Twitter, and um, and look, uh, that's people's opinions, and that's what we do, we do as fans. As we look at we look at it's a squad game, and we look at options when when we see someone performing below par. But of a player of Darcy Byrne Jones's ilk, you know he's going to find the form again, and he really has been starting to find it again lately. And 
and just it was just an incredible f- performance. I'm just still in awe of it. But um, yeah, it I'm just I'm just in awe. I gotta I gotta gather my thoughts and get back to it. Oh, I had mentioned briefly before um, about the pressure in this game, but it was, it was genuinely probably one of the best performances I've ever seen a Port Adelaide side give in in the sense of four quarter intense pressure. And we we didn't look like the side that had been to finals, you know, every year apart from one in the last decade or whatever Geelong's record of just constantly being in finals and a team that had played in the grand final last year and it had led Richmond at halftime last year. You would have thought they they were the side that were coming out the veteran pressure, that constant pressure, that you know all these guys we were told have been around, done that, and and all that was a lot of the talk was like maybe Geelong will win because they've just got more experience. Maybe that was what undid them in the end because they didn't they maybe just thought it was going to come to them either. They didn't expect the guy likes of Zach Butters and Xavier Dersmer and Connor Rosie to be in the top ten of tackles, and Willem Drew to be at top the top of that table with eleven tackles of his own. The next best was Brandon Parfit with eight, and then Boak and Butters at seven and six apiece. Dangerfield had five because he was just chasing Ars all night and um, uh, with his broken hand, apparently. And it's Amon, Brad Close, Dersmer, and Rosie routing out the top ten for tackles. But Willem Drew, our little, a little, a new, a new favorite son, and, and Jonathan Brown's favorite player of all time at the moment, it seems, just loves the fact that he's from Croyd. Um, but he, 11 tackles. And this is the thing. Drew had a game where he only had 12 disposals, um, seven kicks, five handballs, and three marks. He wasn't he wasn't lighting it up with the um, with that part of it. But he was just haranguing, just absolutely relentless. And maybe, you know, you can look at that and say, that's where yeah, and maybe the, the umpires started... Feel falling for the pressure too because they were giving fucking dodgy free kicks all night, especially in that second quarter when we were really stamping the foot down. And that's you know we can talk about the goal kicking maybe being a reason why that we didn't quite uh, win by as much as we possibly could have at one point. But you know Geelong's goal kicking was pretty wayward as well. So the point the points that we each team scored is very similar. Uh, but the thing that probably stopped us from kicking more goals in that second quarter when we were really up and about was the fact that. You know, Dangerfield's falling forward and some dodgy free kicks simply from our pressure. And the umpires could... I don't think the umpires could quite believe it because you could see the game... They, the, the the free kicks settled somewhat throughout the second half. There was still a few bad, but there was really that second quarter and, and the end of the first quarter when we really stepped it up that the umpires just, just fell fell into this hole of like, what the fuck is going on with this team? What is what is this? Oh, there's a free kick there. I don't know what for. I think they're just... They're playing... It's, it's kind of like a semi-pro when, like, the, when the... Um, uh, Father Pat blows the whistle when they when um, Jackie Moon does the alley hoop because he's just like he's just like the foul because he doesn't know what the fuck's happening. What 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 did this man just do? What did this man just do to change this sport? Now, obviously, pressure in footy isn't cha- a game changer as far as, but it was Port Adelaide's pressure in this game was just absolutely elite and it was just chasing and harassing and it was wonderful to watch and it was I'm so proud of it. And that's Port Adelaide footy because it was when we had because then the, the pressure when they don't don't have the. Fo- when we don't have the footy, and that's the pressure that caused Geelong to constantly, constantly spill the ball. I've been trying to find out. I've got like a long list of examples I just wrote down as I was as I was watching the replay. But you know, it was it was, and it was right from the start. It was that that first goal um, came from Todd Marshall, like a tackle out in the, you know, about 50, 55, 60 out. Um, out near the boundary, and it's Todd Marshall of all people, you know, and this is something that we know, and a lot of, um, I played in a couple of, a review a couple of weeks ago, I can't remember which game it was, but it was Connor Rosie talking about 
Todd Marshall and how appreciative they are of his play and what he brings to the side. And he said, you know, sometimes it's not seen what Todd Marshall does, but we see it and we appreciate it. And he's a massive part of our structure. And and the, this probably is an example of exactly that, what he was talking about. But as, as far as just what they see and what they love about what Todd Marshall does is, is that exactly is that tackle that he laid and just absolutely made, I can't remember who he was tackling. It might have been someone like Dangerfield, I can't remember. But it made him give up the handball, which was a handball to um, Gray, I believe. And then he, Gray kicks it on. And um, and Gray, obviously, just with his kicking, when he when he's in a situation like that, it's kind of a slightly outside of the boot outside of the foot kick into into the path of Motlop to just take a mark and run into an easy goal. And you could just see that tone. That, that it was, you know, it's, it's hindsight to say it set the tone, but really what set the tone for me was Elia taking that mark and then and, and the ball tra- quickly transitioning forward for, uh, you know, Dixon to bring the ball to ground and, and, and uh, Orazio Fantasia to kick a goal on the run and, and a snap again. And, and just that, that kind of stuff was really, really setting the tone. Um, and that was... 35 seconds ago. And this is what I actually love about um, this one. Uh, it's 35 seconds ago in the first quarter. And this is really the tone setter for me. And this is the moment I just went, oh, fuck, we're, we're on to one here. I was still stressed for most of the second half and uh, second quarter and most of the third quarter as well, just because we didn't quite get out to that lead where you go that even with a run, they can't get back into it. But you started feeling comfortable this morning. So 35 seconds to go in the first quarter. Blickhards goes like, Kind of, he was trying to switch across field, um, you know, and that they were doing this all night, trying to switch on us, and that was just how good our pressure was, and our, and our chasing and harassing that every time they tried this for the switch, they they got out, kind of half got out a couple of times, but then they could never, they could ne- just never move quick enough to get through our defensive setup behind the ball as well as just our pressure on the ball as well. Um, so uh, yeah, so Blickarv's like he goes across field for the switch, kind of across half back. Um, he, he just hung the ball up too long and Burn Jones had the time to... And this is what we were doing all night. When the ball was hanging in the air, One a guy that was closest to, to be able to affect a spoil was just running hard and making and putting the pressure on. And even at some points, when our player was never going to get to him, you know, they still dropped a mark because it was perceived pressure. And that's that's something that comes when you bring this kind of pr- pressure is perceived pressure. You start causing them to make... Um, un, you know, it's kind of like in a game of tennis when a player gets that pressure on them when they're down a bit and they've made a few mistakes, they start making more because the the, the pressure's on them and they're not even they've been it's unforced errors, and so that started happening later in the game. But it, in this point, it was uh, Blickar was going across field and Burn Jones had the time to close and kind of just affect a spoil on Sam Simpson, who um, because Jones kind of takes a stumble, Simpson still was able to gather because he hasn't taken a mark. He's just gathering on the run. He has to make a pretty quick kick because Burn Jones is already back to his feet and chasing again. So Simpson, he kind of rushes a kick under pressure, like without really having a good look at his options. And Aaliyah, of course, is just fucking in in like his own own little. It's like Aaliyah's island um, there, wherever he is. Basically, it's Aaliyah's world, and we're just living in it. And he he takes a mark, pretty uncontested, you know, uh, very. Um, and he just quickly looks up, and there's like a throw. I think it was, when I paused it, I paused at this point when Aaliyah's about to take the kick. There's like three or four port mid like people port players. In the midfield area, like coming into the square and running forward, and just and just the corridor corridor is open, so he kicks it. I think Amon marks kind of ducks, dives, dips, dodges and dodges or whatever the five D's are dodgeable. <laughs> he just he just you know careens through the midfield there a little bit and um, kicks it up forward, and this is where Charlie Dixon and that big forwards, you know, there was a lot of sacrifice from them on the night. You know, he he brought the ball brought the ball to ground a few times. 
on the night, I think even earlier in this quarter, there was a moment where he brought the brought the ball to ground and um, got like kind of just brought it to ground in front of him. Gray was reading it and they knew exactly what was going to happen right in space and snapped one on the run. And it happened again in, at this point. So it, it's with 23 seconds left that Elia sees, um, sees Amon in the middle and then Amon takes it. Um, quickly kicks it forward. Charlie again um, brings brings the hits and brings a fair few defenders with him and brings it to ground in front of him. And then Ratio just runs onto it and uh, similar to Gray earlier in the quarter, snaps on goal and we get the BT Ratio Fantasia. I can't fucking do it. I'm not going to try. Um, but you know we get that highlight and um, you know what was looking like a four point lead at quarter time and and with Geelong with the ball with 35 seconds to go setting up across halfback. It could, you know, there's every chance that Geelong goes forward and, and scores a goal if we were playing the way we have at times earlier in the year. But uh, because of our intense pressure and just how into the game we were, how prepared we were, we took that moment, the pressure from Burn Jones at the start of that move, and then gets ends up the ball with the Lear. He kicks it forward quickly and um, and our forward set up and that just that perfect structure that was working, working all night just came to the fore and we go into quarter time with a 10-point lead. Um, and that just set the night up because we go into quarter time with 10-point lead. We already can see a lot of the things that are working, so the quarter time huddle just would have been like, this, everything is playing playing out in our order right now. Keep it up, and that's just how it went. And so that first quarter, just is just those couple of tone setters, you know. Todd Marshall for that first goal, to making that tackle. Because, you know, Geelong wouldn't have been looking. Geelong would have been thinking, Todd Marshall for 60 out from goal fucking laying a tackle that... Like that, and so, you know, they're, not, they're not planning for that kind of shit. But it's just like every single player was just on on it like that, and that's just those few moments in the um, in the first quarter. And then there was even McKenzie. I think it was uh, Tom Hawkins kind of trying to uh, trying to kick one, kick the ball into the fifty from about seventy out, and McKenzie just comes flying through and swats it out of the air. That kind of stuff was happening all night, and that was just in the first fucking quarter, I think. You know, so these three moments in the first quarter, and it kept on going for the rest of the night. And that was so important that what we did in the first quarter was, first of all, you know, bad starts. <laughs> that went out the window. Um, we set the tone. And then what was incredible and what makes me so impressed with this win and why I'm so on it and hard on the fact that it's one of our best wins since 2004, I think might be our best win since 2004, is that we kept that going for four quarters. So often you see a Port team do this, and we've seen it this year, where they have like a good period of 10 to 15 minutes. Um, but then they let up and then... You know, and we let up in scoring at times in this game. But we didn't let up what was keeping ourselves ahead, you know. It got cagey in that third quarter and we didn't score much. We still won the quarter, as I said earlier. Um, but what we were doing off the ball, like we 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 kind of, we didn't let Geelong back into the game. Our pressure was still good. All of the things that we've kind of let up at times and, and sometimes even in those games earlier in the year when we've let, we haven't exactly let up in the sense of... Um, it's just we haven't executed well. We haven't affected. We haven't been set up behind the ball, and 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 just there's been miscommunications in this game. It just or you can see why we've persisted so hard with this game plan at times, and it's been frustrating at times. But this is the the rewards that we're here in this game as to how we affected everything, and 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 just how the structure, everything just worked and and came together and gelled at just the perfect time. And and you just look at this and go, this is this port team. Um, now that's the, this is the magic thing. You want to take this and bottle it like Michael Jordan's secret stuff in um in a Space Jam. But you want to this will be the 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 tough thing is bringing this to the fore um in the preliminary final and then hopefully a, a week later as well or a couple of weeks later. Um, but we want to. It is promising to see how well we were able to keep this going um throughout four quarters because 
with a week's break now and, and to the preliminary final, there's no excuse for coming in unfresh. And when considering we were able to bring this performance a week after we had a pretty tough game against the Western Bulldogs as well, um, it's two weeks of great footy, um, apart from maybe that first half a quarter against the Bulldogs, um, that we've brought this kind of footy to two very, very good teams, two teams with good midfields, two teams that... Um, you know, can defend pretty well. Bulldogs have had to- had questions in the defense at times, but you know, just and and we've been able to defend them well as well. Um, beyond that, that run that the Bulldogs had at the start of the game, we 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 locked them in, and then we've locked uh, Geelong again into one of their lowest scores in a final for the second year in a row. So, you know, just the amount of things we've done in the last couple of weeks, it's it's shut all those top four nuffies off um, because we've just won a um, home qualifying final, which is in itself a top four win um, to give ourselves a home prelim final. And it's just, and the footies come at the right time, you know, the pretender labels and all those things that people, people Port were the most, I think, knocked team beyond the Bulldogs, obviously um, understandably got some heat for their finish to the season, but um, Port were just seen as this team. Like, How the fuck did they finish second? They've been shit all year. They've, all, they've just been lucky to win. They've been lucky to win. They're all this shit. You know they're pretenders. They're 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 gonna you know they're gonna be straight sets. All that stuff. No, no. There's a long way to go in these finals, but uh, the one thing's for sure: we've come to not just make up the numbers, and that is a wonderful thing. So there's plenty more to talk about, but I'm going to take a quick beer break because I, I just realised I've just been talking. I don't think I breathed properly, and I'm I'm getting a little bit lightheaded. Wait for something safe to develop like that. Stand proud. Lutzar's wanting to go the other side. Now, that ball's a long time in the air. Gave Burn Tones a long time and a good chance to get there. He did, but Simpson able to follow up the groundwork. High footy, and here is the man at the moment. He is doing an exceptional job across half-back. Sets up another opportunity for Amon. Amon launches a long ball. Big pack of players. Dixon in front. Fantasia around the corner with a dribbler. Horazio Fantasia. loving it and there never seems to be anybody near him when he gets the footy oh we were loving it weren't we that Fantasia goal um, that's the, and that's the one I've obviously talked a fair bit about and ran through the kind of timing of it uh, towards the end of the first quarter um, but I just wanted to play it because that is my play of the day obviously from a wonderful wonderful bloody night um, and there's there's so many there's so many plays you could have chosen chosen from really um, that one just that one just highlights and I love the um, the the storyline of that one because it starts well it doesn't start with a Lear but um, as far as where a possession comes to an, into a Port Adelaide player's hands it starts with a Lear at halfback and then ends with Fantasia scoring a goal um, one of his four for the night and um, all of Fantasia's goals are fucking beauties as well the one set shot he had. Um, which was probably the worst of the night. Um, you know, every all of his other four goals um, were just uh, bloody brilliant, and that's the kind of that's the recruit. That's why we recruited Fantasia. You know, obviously we've got the goal likes of Robbie Gray, and certainly Motlop, who both um, kicked their couple on the night as well. They can kick those kind of goals, but we were really looking for that, especially Fantasia and where he is in his career. He's he's still got a lot of footy ahead of him, and obviously the injuries are a concern, but. Um, it's it's already it's already paid off pretty well um with that kind of performance in a final you know he's just he's got such a, he's got um at his best he's got some 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 elite speed and and his and his eye for the goal is incredible and his um execution is incredible as well and 
he just absolutely um, executed to a T on the night. But I love that um, our two recruits of the year, um, obviously Elia is the recruit of the year, I think, in the, across the whole competition. But our two recruits that um, obviously Elia, uh, Elia getting his first All-Australian jacket has really summed up um, how well he's been received across the league. Um, Arazio obviously has missed a fair bit of footy this year, but um, he's had some good good games this year as well. And he le- he saved his best for um, his first final at Port Adelaide and, and did it really well. And, just that play starting with Lear at halfback and a, a, um, linking up through, and it's certainly Amon who's had a, a great year and could have been, should have, could have, should have been um, an All Australian wingman this year as well. Um, being the link up guy in the middle of that was just, a, it's just a wonderful goal that kind of sets up a wonderful play in, in total. It shows kind of the difference between the team that we had this time last year and the team that we have this year. Because um, I did briefly mention that um, the Geelong final last year was one that. I'm incredibly proud of that win. Um, obviously, that was a fun, a great night at Adelaide over last year as well, and um, a lot more closer, a lot cagier. Uh, the Brett Ebert goal from uh, Brett Ebert, Brad Ebert goal from um, after the siren um, to get us back into it at halftime, and all that stuff was wonderful. It was a wonderful game and a wonderful night to be a part of. But we we had to really grind that one out and fight that one out, and there was a lot of times in that night that Geelong really dominated the dominated the ball and dominated the possession and dominated the game. And we had to really find um, a smartly execute to really get our way, get away with a 16-point win. And um, if you win a qualifying final against top team, you deserve you know you deserve your way through. But um, you know, last year was a game where you could look at it and say, look, Geelong had their chances. Um, they never had their chances the other night. This year, Geelong were you know, Geelong had their chance. You know, maybe the start of the game, maybe because they had three points on the board before we had a score, but. You know, it was just early, and they weren't. They, they never looked um, comfortable, even in that sense. You know, they were getting a bit of the ball and getting a bit of the control they like, but they, it was already. We were just we were just kind of warming up, and quick, pretty quickly, that pressure started to started to tell, and the big difference. And you know, we look back to the round twelve game that we played against them, where we lost, and Rowan, Cameron, and Hawkins all had their. And you know, you talk about the guys they were missing, but they fucking still had their three pronged attack that. Um, everyone was saying it was a problem for, and it certainly was a problem for us back in the regular season, and and everyone was wondering if it would be a problem again. But considering it's Hawkins' three hundredth game, and you know they just never really sparked uh, at all. You know Rowan had fuck all of the ball. I don't, I forgot that he was out there for most of the night. Um, Cameron and Hawkins were often having to move their way up the ground a fair bit to get a get a hand on the ball, and um, it was often one of them kicking inboard inboard to someone else in the 50 to, to make something happen. And it's just they, they just weren't gotten, getting the ball in um, the way they like it. And that was due to our pressure through the midfield. And we were, we were that's where it started and that's where it ended. Um, so that's an incredible feat for us as well to and to lock, lock those guys down so well. And, you know, because Hawkins last year, um, you know, he missed, a, he missed his first shot of the night on this night as well. I was wondering if we'd get through two Hawkins, two finals with Hawkins at Adelaide Oval with him kicking a... Score of like zero goals out eight, but he did get his he did get a couple of goals in the end. But you know, last year he do had a fair bit of the ball and just missed because we we smartly executed it the way we had defensive structure work. But we didn't need that this year because we were so so much more dominant through the midfield. And that's probably a, a you know the likes of Butters and Dersmer have missed a lot of footy this year, but they've still got another year of footy and and footy and age and experience and build up into their bodies. Rosie this year, um, Rosie was just, just moving so smoothly and quickly. You know, just so all the guys in midfield, all the guys that were there last year, have gotten. You know, the young ones have gotten more experience, and then you know, Boke and Wines obviously is having the year he's having, and Boke's just who he is. So, and midfield is just that much better this time from last year and our pressure. And then obviously, uh, William Drew's come in, and uh, unfortunately, you know, it's, it's unfortunate that Rockliffe isn't a part of it anymore. But William Drew's come in and just playing that. It's just he's just. 
pressure, the pressure player that he is. Um, so what we were doing through the midfield was just stopping the the the, the pressure that we put on ourselves last year um, with having to win and having to really smartly execute the defensive game style to just to lo- lower the percentage of um, quality shots that Geelong had. We didn't even we just we stopped him before we, we snuffed out the sources uh, this year and really made it hard work for him to get any sh- shots at all. And that's the way you want to play. You want to snuff it out at the source before you're having to do, you know, work, work with Hawkins wide and all those kind of things we were doing last year. That was an incredible feat of what we did um, the other night as well. And, you know, I mentioned to um, Ryan, when we were chatting to Ryan from um, Chicago a couple of weeks ago on the pod, um, which I'm sure he enjoyed this one as well because I know he was saying how much he hates Geelong and was nervous for it. And, um, you know, there was, and there's some of the things I was saying in response to try to make him feel better and I was trying to make myself feel better, but it's all what came to fruition. It was the guys, like it was it was a run through midfield and the, and the speed that we had, the speed of um, an execution. It was the thing the thing that we did wrong back in round 12 was that we just didn't execute, execute well enough. A lot of that, that was a tight game in the end. It was a pretty tight game and we got our, had our chances, but then we we had a few moments where we really brain farted the ball away and we just didn't do that on this in this night. And then we took Geelong's game away from them. They liked to have the control and, the, and kick around. We just did the pressure didn't allow them to do that. We didn't let the game play into their hands and, we play, and when it doesn't play into their hands with the kind of talent we have, that plays straight into our hands and that was wonderful. Um, you know, there was a lot of, a lot of moments. Um, and you know, it, the da- it's funny. The Dangerfield has come out since the game that Dangerfield has a broken hand or something. Which one? I wonder about the integrity of AFL injury reporting when we can find out after a game. That, oh, guess what? Wait, they, Dangerfield broke his hand against Melbourne in the last re- like in round twenty three. So they know of that, and obviously it was strapped. Up. I didn't notice at the game, obviously, but I noticed when I was watching a replay strapped up a bit and whatnot, but how the fuck is that not being, you know, it's just, you wonder about the integrity of AFL reporting, um, injury reporting, and how, uh, and what's going on there, but hey, if clubs want to do that, I guess it's fine, I guess we do it too sometimes, but I, I just, that one seems like a weird one to suddenly, and it seems like it's like, oh, we, I guess we should say this now, because the gamble didn't pay off, so it helps um, change the narrative a bit maybe, but Fuck yeah, he, he dropped a couple of marks that maybe you expect him to take, but then a lot of other players were doing that on night too, so it's a, pressure was telling. But, and maybe the ball drop onto the foot changes slightly, but, you know, Dangerfield's pretty well known as burning the footy a fair bit anyway. You know, he's he's a good player because he gets a height, you know, he, he finds a fair bit of the footy and, and is da- is incredibly dangerous, obviously, but he does have a tendency to burn the footy as well, and... You know, there's a one where he crossfield kicks to like two Geelong players, um, and Dixon, who runs harder than I think I've ever seen him run before, <laughs> has suddenly turned into a into an Olympic sprinter, and Charlie just runs runs down the uh, uh, the two Geelong players and causes again causes a drop and confusion. Somehow gathers the ball, hands it off to Motlop in a goal. Um, you know, I can't remember who the t- Geelong player. I think it was Lockie Henderson actually. Um, he's just hands on his kind of haunches, just like what the fuck just happened. And you could just and I I remember actually seeing that at the game after I was watching, watching the game and after I'd stood up and cheered the goal, I looked down at the Jong players and you could just see them kind of having their own meet, like just kind of trying to figure out what had happened. And I was like at that moment, at that moment when you see the opposition like that, it's like that's you're halfway there just in that moment. Let alone the fact we were starting to really put the scoreboard pressure on. Um, but those kind of moments you really see, and you could just see that they were just. You know, taking deep breaths, hands on hips, going, "What the fuck is going on here?" When Charlie Dixon has run down two Geelong players that are in open space um, from a crossfield danger field kick, 
um, and and cause the spoil and and Motlop's being able to gobble it up and and kick a goal and just incredible incredible stuff. Um, such a great night, such a great footy game, and like when I I'm running through so many moments like this, but I'm just trying to just exemplify how great our performance was, and 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 across the board, there's so many players I probably haven't even mentioned yet that just absolutely killed it. Um, and I'll, I'll you know I'll get to him I guess, but um, and I, I may miss a lot too, but. It was just an incredible game. So I'm going to take a quick break again here before I finish it up because we've already gone on for 36 minutes and I guess you could talk about this game for hours anyway. But um, yeah, one more one more break and we'll get to finishing finishing this one off and we'll start looking forward to um, a prelim final in just under a couple of weeks. Alrighty, before we get into the last little piece of the review, I just thought I'd uh, yeah talk about the fact that on the Creed merch store, which is the creed1870.com um, slash merch, or you can just go to the creed1870.com, that's the creed1870.com, and then you'll see the link to go to the merch store. We've got a few new badges on there that have been, um, people have been enjoying those, a couple of sticker sheets and the magnets, and then the stuff that's already been there. So um, yeah, it's seven larger badges, 57 millimeter ones, same size as a standard AFL player badge that you buy from the, your um, stores. As well as a few mini, more mini badges as well. So, a few options there. Um, been loving packing up a few of those and sending them out today and getting them out to the good people out there. Um, yeah, so they're on there. Now, I will, um, after this podcast, I'll put a discount code on that'll be valid for the next uh, 48 hours or so. Um, probably until, I guess, what is it? It's uh, Monday the 30th at 10.24 p.m. right now. So, I'll make that discount code uh, valid until 11.59 p.m. on Wednesday night, Albert and Standard Time. So, it'll be about two days that it'll be up there. Um, so the discount code will be 15% off at the store um, for listeners to the podcast. So thank you for listening. Um, and the discount code will be port by 43. So that'll be P-O-R-T-B-Y-4-3. And those numbers obviously being the uh, you know numbers not spelled out, but just the numbers. So port by 43, P-O-R-T-B-Y-43 um, to celebrate our win in the qualifying final and get yourself a 15% discount if you're looking to order in the next couple of days. So get on that. Um, yeah, that's about it. Uh, I also did draw um, the winners of a couple of competitions we were running there for um, people that got on their orders by yesterday for me to be able to send out today. Um, so the first one was I was um, including a Boke uh, Select 2021. Um, they do the milestone cards that they release for a 24-hour period. If you order in there, you get them. Um, the number and basically by however many orders they get. So I think there's about 300 of these Boke 300 uh, milestone cards made where it's basically an image of him being cheered off in his 300th game by Select, which is the the car, AFL card brand here, uh, which is, um, and they're going gangbusters with some of their releases at the moment. But um, that card is being in, popped in a package for Emma, who ordered uh, the Boke 301 badge. So there's a couple other things in the store um, yesterday. So um, congrats to Emma for that one. I don't think I've actually let her know she's won it yet, but it's in her package, so I will let her know. Um, as she'll either find out from the podcast or... Um, yeah, so that's in that package for her, as well as um, we when we were selling the Charlie Dixon stubby holders, they uh, have sold well, and we've still got um, just under 50% of those left. So um, get on them if you're looking for one of those still. But uh, we did a competition that's been running since the start of the year. Uh, that we'd be giving away. I, I just um, ended up with an extra 2020 home jerk Guernsey last year in the end of year sales when I was just trying to work out. I couldn't, I was down there and I just couldn't remember what I had and I was like, grab one just in case. Just blanked on the fact that I had one for myself because I had a long sleeve as well. I was a bit confused. Um, so I had an extra one. I was like, oh, I'll do a giveaway with it. So I drew that today and it's a really cool story actually with that one. Um, I 
it was sent to a so the original stubby holder was sent to a nick um so i emailed the email and said and that was this was back in march when that was purchased and i so i emailed the email i had with that they had another name on the email and i was just like it's kind of weird um so i sent that email through um today just saying hey nick i'm uh, just making sure that this the address is still the same after you know a few months um but you've won the guernsey congratulations actually got an email background and so it explained um, from his daughter saying oh i bought this stubby holder for my dad that he loves and he loves the stubby holder so thank you for that so he's gonna be stoked he won a guernsey too so that's a really cool story you know it's a completely random like i just entered all the names that were valid for the uh for winning into a, a random generator and just set it for the gen and set the generator generator just to pick one name out of those that bunch um so yeah, so congratulations to Nick and uh, well done to his daughter for buying him a lovely gift in the stubby holder and he's, he's come out on top with the Guernsey as well. So it's a cool story just to hear that, you know, I was a family member doing something nice for another family member and then now he's getting another bonus out of it too. So I'll be getting that one in the mail too and I'm really happy to do it to share the love a little bit and um, sounds like he's going to have a new Guernsey to celebrate, hopefully a few more wins for us this year. So yeah, that's a, about it for the updates. Just remember, port by 43 as your discount code for the store up until um, late Wednesday night. Alrighty, so we'll start wrapping this one up now because I, I don't even know if I want to wrap this one up. I could just keep talking about this game forever. Um, but we do have to start moving on because this isn't this isn't the grand final yet. Um, I knock on wood, this kind of performance is going to see us there very comfortably. But we do need to... Win one more game to get there, and then one more game to be lifting that um, elusive second AFL premiership. But um, this performance is the kind of performance that really instills you with confidence. Um, uh, all year we've been asking for this, uh, especially against the top sides. We were wondering if it would ever come. But uh, as you know, and credit to this is the last thing to say, and credit to Ken, Ken Hinckley for um, he gets a lot of lot of stick, and I'm certainly one that will give him stick when when. Um, I have frustrations, and and there's plenty out there that do. But you've also got to, you know, you've also got to be um, big enough and and confident enough to say, hey, I got, I, you know, he d- can't fault anything about that. You know, the players, the players were the ones that executed it, but the coaching staff, and it's not just Candice, you know, Cornsey and Scully and and uh, Bass and and um, Montgomery and all those, all those blokes. There's a lot. There's a team there, but you know, Ken Hinkley's the one that's um, pulling the strings and. And doing a lot of, and is, you know, taking, he takes the hits when things don't go well. And he, so he justifiably deserves the plaudits at this moment as well. Um, you know, one of the best performances I've seen, like I've said, I've seen Port play in a long, long time. And he's the coach of that. And that's, that's wonderful. And, um, you know, that's, uh, and it instills me a lot of confidence as to what, you know, he's been saying all year, we just need to get to the finals and get ourselves into a good position. You know, a season's all about building towards a certain point. You just got to get the wins and the wins on the board. To get into the position you want to, and uh, and then you and then see where you're at, and he, he keeps on he kept on saying earlier in the year when we were, we were losing some of these games against the the better sides, at least at the time, um, you know, judges in in September or late August, I guess as it as it is now, um, but judges in finals, and and we'll get there, and, and certainly, um, you know, where there's a lot of finals to play still, but the first test was an absolute resounding success, and. You know, I hope you know whatever the things that they've done to um, fix some of those issues. They've just, they've just, they've really like lasered in on the things that went right for this game because you know there was some, there was some true magic in that performance, and uh, there's a lot to love about it. And um, while the players really executed it to, to a T, you certainly got to give some love to the coaching staff for what they did and Ken Hinckley as the leadership of all that. So um, yeah, great for Ken, and I don't think I actually gave him. Um, Congratulations! I think I, I keep meaning to say this, but I think I actually completely whiffed on saying when he coached his 200th game a couple of weeks ago that congrats for that too. So 
Yes, he's been around a long time. Yes, we haven't made a grand final under him. And yes, there is a lot of questions about, you know, his game style at times. But, you know, maybe just like a lot of coaches around the world, it takes a little bit of time. But once it gets there, it really, really starts kicking off. And I can only hope, and I'll knock on wood again, that uh, this this performance was kind of um, his his way of saying, hey, this is what we've been working towards. Um, now let's enjoy the show. So I hope we're just going to be enjoying a couple more shows this year. Um, certainly this year, um, with that in mind, but then certainly into the future, this kind of performance can only instill confidence both in the playing playing group as well as um, as well as us fans that there is a lot to love about what the everyone's doing at the club, right? From um, you know the, the recruit, you know, Cripper with the um, the list management and getting guys like Alir and Fantasia across to fill those gaps in their squad from last year, as well as the coaching staff and what they're doing, and as well as the players themselves. So a lot to love about the game, and I don't think anything sums it up better than um, the one more moment there's a lot of moments i'm probably forgetting from this and i'd love anyone to tweet at us or, or instagram comment or whatever you want to do um and say what your memories of the game were and what really stuck out to you but um there's a couple of things um that really really hammered home our domination um you know first of all i, I noted in you know i think it was about 11 and a half minutes to go in quarter quarter number two is Daisy Pierce basically says that at this point of the quarter, and so we're almost halfway through the second quarter, Geelong have two marks for the quarter versus Port 17. So that's really just shows just how how well we blew the game open and how, and how well we controlled the footy. And really, we were doing exactly to Geelong what they hoped to do to teams, and that was wonderful. But um, the ga- the one moment of the game, there's so many that really sum it up, but uh, the one moment that sums up everything we're doing better than Geelong is the fact that You've got Jerry McCameron, who I think he probably, one of his legs might weigh the same as um, Zach Butters. Who knows? <laughs> and Butters is get he, he deserves a lot more credit for his um his strength than he gets. But just the image of Zach Butters taking on standing in front of a um, rampaging Jeremy Cameron, locking him up in a tackle and bringing him to ground and actually executing it perfectly, um, that sticks in my mind from the game. It's just exactly the kind of that 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 like isolated image just sums up the entire game as what we brought to the table. Now, it's not like we were David versus Goliath in that game because we are just as good and we had finished higher on the table so it um, and had a home final. So the pressure was on us in a sense in that way. But the kind of team that Geelong have been over the journey of the last 15 years have been a team that won three premierships in uh, six, five, six years. Um, six years, I think it was one. They went every, every second year for six years, I think, yeah. So... Um, so you know, and then since then, while they haven't, they've, they've, their finals record hasn't been as good the last, you know, nine years, they've they've still been up and around there, only missed the finals once in that time. So, in that sense, it was a little bit David versus Goliath, and Butters' um, tackle on Cameron there just summed up the kind of energy we're bringing that there's so many shortfalls that can be um, brought up by sheer energy. And, and, you know, we saw this earlier in the year when the likes of Adelaide were getting wins on Geelong, and Adelaide, you know, got a win on Melbourne, and, and teams were upsetting teams here and there. Um, and I said in those times that those are things to watch out for because when a team, when it's good, a good team comes up against a team average less less talented on paper, but that less talented team brings the heart and grunt of footy. You can you can make up a lot of make up a lot of ground on a team like that. So when you get a good team like Port Adelaide do that to Geelong, then that's what comes out with suddenly you're winning by um, seven goals and really dominating in a in a, in a contest that. No one expected Port to win by this. Um, so that just sums it up. That that tackle, the fact that Zach Butters, um, you know, half the size of Jeremy Cameron, 
was able to just stand right in front and bring him down and then bounce right back up. You know, Butters was fine. And I, was, I remember seeing last year when he... Uh, was that game? He took on Jack Zebel and just like Zebel's just lying on top. Like he's just just being hit hard by him and Butters is lying on the ground grinning. And you can just see Zach Butters is kind of like, he's just, he loves footy, loves his footy, um, relishes those battles and relishes, I think, being, um, whether it's being a slight pest in that sense, but as well as like, you know, surprising people with a tackle like that. So that just oh, summed it up. I, I went watching the watching it again today and just seeing it and seeing it in slow motion because I remember seeing it in the ground, like from our vantage point, just seeing it perfectly from there. I went, is that, was, I, know, I remember thinking, was that fucking butters? And then I like, saw him bounce up and saw the 18 in the back. I was like, fuck, it was. <laughs> and it's like you're surprised, but then at the same time, you're not surprised because we know who Zach Butters is and um, that he can do that. But at the same time, you're always surprised when it happens because especially against a guy like Jeremy Cameron, the size of the unit, so... But that just shows what you can do, and what a good, uh, you know, good players can do um, in those in those kind of situations. That sums up the pressure that we're bringing on, and and sums up the game it was, and the what by and the and the um, and the the win it was. So incredible stuff from Butters, and incredible stuff from um, every player, right from one through twenty three, and certainly Sam Powell Pepper. I tweeted on the night. Um, I almost forgot to even mention mention it, but um, it wasn't that great here in the cheer when he came on and. Um, he's so beloved by this crowd, by our fans. Even though you know he's been in and out of the side, and he can frustrate at times because you know his best games are elite, and then sometimes he just drops off. But um, the guy's name Sam, I guess, is just super sub now because we were all thinking that Sam Mays is going to be the super sub, and then um, but the Sam Power Pepper got the nod on the night, and he came in and kicked two goals, and really, you know, at a time when they they kicked the goal and got it back within, we knew we knew at that point they weren't going to win. But it was like, ah, oh, you know, God, it could have been a better win. And then we could go ahead and kick a couple again and get it get it back up above forty comfortably. And and Pal Pepper, um, both with a great goal on the run as well as an as a set shot that yeah that mark he took it right in front of the square there where he just he just read the ball better than any, and that was kind of what we were doing all night. We were just reading the play better than Geelong all night. And Pal Pepper in that situation had a two v one. And you, you think for all, it's going to be spoiled. It's going to be spoiled. But he just stands there and reads it. And the two Geelong players, and which is just endemic of their entire night, just just fucking misread it. And it was, it was great stuff. And he kicks a goal and, and just just capped off the good feels of the night perfectly with Power Pepper coming on. It was unfortunately that we had to sub Arazio out. And um, all indications are that Arazio is probably going to be all right. I think Chad Korn said on the radio that he loves today that he just loves playing up an injury. So... A little bit of banter in the port squad there, but um, you know, hopefully Ratio is all good. But um, certainly, certainly a wonderful place to be that we can look at guys like Sam Mays and Sam Powell Pepper as our potential injury subs because you know they're in the best twenty-two of most other teams in the comp. Um, particularly if you're looking outside the top four, I can't imagine those guys not being into some of the best twenty-twos in the comp. And um, so we're just blessed with um, after a year where we struggled so much to um, get our side together with the injuries, we're just blessed at the moment. And long may it continue. Um, especially with just two games to go, knock on wood, that that's just continues the way it goes. Um, yeah, not much else to... There's plenty you could talk about, but um, might as well end on the note. One, uh, yeah, just we'll end on that. That's fine. I could just keep going. But uh, <laughs> yeah, there's a lot to look forward to now, though. We've set ourselves up perfectly. Um, this is what we live for. And uh, actually, the one more thing I will say, well done to the Port fans that are in the ground on the night. Um, 20,000 sound like 50,000. Um, they were even saying in the commentary when I was watching the game, just the, the acoustics of the stadium just uh, set up perfectly for it. And um, they really thought about it that way, but it is it does just seem to be a hostile atmosphere when you get um, even 20,000 calling about like that. So 
an incredible atmosphere, um, a wonderful night to be a part of, and uh, hopefully we're looking at more people getting in in the next game um, with uh, still uh, a week and a half to go. Hopefully everything with the COVID situation in SA stays copacetic and we can look at um, getting a better crowd in for the next game around. Uh, and certainly a lot of there's a lot of true believers that would have been there on Friday night if it wasn't for the cap, and we hope to see a lot more of you there and a lot less disappointed fans as well. With the ticket sales, so that would be wonderful. But uh, a lot to look forward to, but a lot to be proud of. And this is a good moment to, while we've got a week's break, to reflect on that game and enjoy it. Um, you know, the players will be moving forward as well already. But we as fans, all we can do is, uh, you know, enjoy the moments while we're living in them. I'm certainly starting to get stressed about the prelim already myself. But we've got to look back on that game and just really enjoy what the Port Boys put out and, and take it as a reason to have confidence. They They put on a performance like that. Both, obviously, to get through the game, but um, they really put on a for- performance that uh, I think instilled confidence within themselves, but should instill confidence within us fans and uh, give them a bit of, really send us, uh, rather than going into the preliminary final with a little bit of uh, you know angst and caution about us, and that'll certainly be part of us, but let's go in with a bit of swagger. Um, I hope the team goes in that way too, but us fans should walk into that stadium with a bit of swagger and, and be proud of this team and the performance they put on the line the other night and um, and use that to give a bit of swagger and a real bit of energy to the stadium um, as we go into next Saturday night. That would be That's the way we should use it. That's the way we should um, metabolize it and go into the game. Really confident, um, really keen, and really, uh, really ready to get this team across the line and on a plane to Perth. So, yeah, what a night. Enjoy it, relish in it, and let's start moving forward to uh, a great, uh, wonderful preliminary final night um, on our way to the way to the promised land. Um, so yeah, let's end it. Let's end it now. Let's enjoy it. And um, I'll just I'll play it, play us out with just some sounds of the crowd the other night as we got ready to ready to send the cats packing. Alrighty, Khan the pair. Thanks for listening. Let's keep this run rolling.